Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Blair, the Pharmapreneur Coach. I want to welcome you back to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. I am so excited to have an alum of the Pharmapreneur Academy with me today. I have um, Nicole Rosenke. So, Nicole, um, you've gone through the entire course, and I want you to share a little bit. You have a fascinating background uh, being a director of a skilled nursing facility, and you have, uh, fortunately, with your position, made a lot of contacts, um, medical directors and home health agencies, that you are now utilizing and calling upon in order to offer MTM services in a group practice setting. So can you um, introduce yourself and talk to the listeners of the Pharmacy Podcast a little bit about what your job was like before taking the course and what it's like now and what you will be moving forward with. Yeah, so thank you, Blair, for having me today. Um, My background was actually, I graduated in 2006 from University of Florida with my PharmD degree. This was actually a second career for me. Um, I was a teacher prior to this. So education and growth has always been in my background. Um, And I really saw a need um, to get out there and educate. So I've often tried to use my positions to educate patients, um, which I was very grateful for. So I was the director of a skilled nursing facility. Uh, We actually had three facilities that we serviced. Um, And these these skilled nursing facilities had a great opportunity to um, educate patients and and caregivers, because oftentimes they had caregivers. So... Um, I, you know, I, I saw a lot of times where with our health care and the way it is today, there were many broken um, areas, many gaps that could be sealed. And the communication bridge between physician and caregiver and nursing, um, you can see it in skilled nursing, uh, how disjointed it really is. It's a great opportunity to see that, unfortunately, um, see how disjointed we are and, and care uh, so I used that opportunity to educate caregivers and patients um, and took that into the, the retail setting or, or wherever I went. So my background is really in skilled nursing, education, and, um, and, and patient care. Unfortunately, during that time, I saw these patients leave the skilled nursing facility after their insurance was, was up or their caregivers could no longer afford to keep them there. And I watched these patients leave, uh, you know, with three days' worth of medications because that's what we, we do, right? We send, right. you know, we send inpatient patients home with three days of medications. And I can't tell you how many times I went home and thought to myself, how on earth is that person, regardless of whether they had a great support system or if they had no support system, um, right. how are they going to manage 21 medications, and many listeners may be saying 21 medications, you know, that's crazy. But if you really take an opportunity to look at our geriatric population and even our baby boomers, a diabetic with one more condition, high blood pressure, 
neuropathy, can easily have upwards of 21 medications. So that's really where this started and my passion for um, thinking about that patient that's now at home and really the great need for medication therapy management was born. Absolutely. that That's such a great story and you have such a fascinating background too. I love you know, I love the fact that that your heart was breaking for these patients. Like whenever they went home, you know, you felt called to be doing something more. And transitions of care, I know here in Arkansas, I'm on a transitions of care coalition for Northeast Arkansas. And the biggest breakdown that we're seeing is transitioning from uh, either skilled nursing or something like that in the hospital setting uh acute care settings into the community pharmacy and I I know there's been a few pilot programs that that deal with this but how how is the business that you're developing um, helping address these issues and how are you working with these physicians so that you can help these patients now yes so transition of care that's that's one big buzzword that we're hearing and obviously the hospital readmissions, right? That is a, a huge push in our healthcare. Right. Which ultimately, um, you know, as much as physicians and in and, and hospitals and you know, this is really it can honestly be a paperwork nightmare, it really is a step in the right direction. Right. Um, but you know, I just want to take a second to say in whether it's me working in physicians' offices or pharmacists you know, mm-hmm. us as pharmacists and our peers getting out there, whether it be in the hospital, I really feel like pharmacists are a key component that are just not being recognized or observed in this changing healthcare market. So having said that, um, what I am doing here in East Tennessee is very progressive, especially for my area. I know across the country there are many uh, pockets of these pilot programs But what I'm doing is working specifically uh, right now with two physicians who have asked me to come in uh, one day a week and see um, a a certain subset of patients. So we are piloting, uh, for example, in one physician office, diabetics with HbA1c's over 5.6%, which is that benchmark. Um, And, you know, it, it feels right. It feels like what we should be doing. So the receptionist books those appointments and I come in and I see patients back to back all day and they bring their medications in and we do not only reconciliation but a large amount of education anything from teaching them how to prick their finger and take their blood their blood themselves to blood pressure management all the way up to you know what their medication is for and and actually getting it packaged for them so when they leave that doctor's office it may be an hour that they're with me but I can rest assured that that clinician knows that that patient understands how to take their medication and has a record of exactly what we discussed. Absolutely. That, that is such a wonderful program. And, you know, diabetics, they, they really need our help more um, even than, than other people just because they have so many um, issues coming along. They may be seeing so many different physicians and really the pharmacist is a single point of care yeah. for a lot of these people. You know, when you think about it, they may be seeing several doctors and several specialists, but a lot of times they're only coming back to one pharmacist. Yeah. 
and you can be that person for for somebody and that that's such a huge thing that that I don't think we need to take lightly I think that that's something that any pharmacist regardless of the position they're in or where they're working at can really take ownership over their their patients and help patients set some goals and help explain things about their medications I know one pharmacist I work with she uh, told me a story about doing an MTM for a diabetic who had a an A1C that was just horrible and they were on insulin and when she sat down with them she asked them how they were drawing up their insulin and they were like well I'm not you know because I'm scared of needles so a lot of times if no one else can draw it up for me I'll just skip it that, so, that has happened to me twice. It's just yes, such a simple thing. I mean, and it's just something, wow, you know, we can make that change easily with a pen or something like that. And it, it was just amazing to me that she was able to make such a change for them and got their A1C down. Well, and not to mention that, you know, you that's a great point you bring up because at, at every single MTM I've had in the clinician's office or at the pharmacy, there's been an intervention. But I'll Mm -hmm. tell you the one surprising thing that has come out of this for me has been the the clinicians have they have been astounded that they they assumed that this was occurring and it's not their fault. It's how 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 do you have time to really look behind or look up on your patients? When you've got a, you know, you've got twenty to thirty patients a day. If you're lucky, that's in a slow clinic. So the clinicians I'm working with at the end of the day, or when we get a chance to, ra- we we call it rounding, but we actually just meet very briefly. You know, I, I, they'll say, I, "But we talked about that." But I told her right. that. Right. So you brought up a great story, and that happened to me actually two weeks ago, where a patient was was not was afraid of needles. And if you don't mind, I'll share um, something also that's been very common. Yeah, sure. Uh, so what the clini- in the clinician's office I'm in, I'm very, very blessed. They're open, you know, they're welcoming me with open arms, which I hope this happens across the country. She will provide me with a med reconciliation and their labs. So when I go to see their, their patients, she'll call them back. You know, they give me a room and she'll call them back like a physician's office. And I have this information ahead of time. And I will do the reconciliation. Um, I had a, I had three patients in the last month that were on um, an oral hypoglycemic mm-hmm. that had not refilled it or taken it in over four months. Wow. And I would ask, I ask them, you know, what's going on? And it's any range of I didn't understand what that was for to mm-hmm. I can't afford it to right. I can't get to the pharmacy. So it's it's those types of things that if these physicians are going to be held accountable for that patient's labs and HbA1cs with our current healthcare market or you know the fee for service going to the pay for performance, right? How can we hold the clinicians accountable for that if they're unaware of the the dispensing practices? Absolutely. So and there has and to we be talk that about essential. this a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Try to talk about this a little bit in the course because it's it's kind of veiled, uh, you know, I feel like in in some of the payers since 
they are going to the pay for performance model the doctors are already stretched thin trying to meet you know and keep up with reimbursements just to stay afloat and like your business model you're really improving outcomes and saving the physician time by optimizing medication regimens so in the course we talk a little bit about accountable um, care organizations and also using MTM codes. So what uh, specifically did, did you feel like the course did to help, I guess... Promote, yeah, promote. Yeah, promote and, and to shed a little bit more light on um, information surrounding pharmacist-led MTM. Yeah, so first I want to back up and thank you, Blair. What you did for me, and I'll get to the code secondarily, but um, what you did for me as a student is, you know, I, I'm, I've been a pharmacist for 10, 11 years, and when you're doing this and you're practicing in your own, I call it pigeonhole, you know, we're, right. we're in our own box. Bubble. Or, yes, exactly. I, you, we hear things that, oh, I want to learn more about that. Right. Or, and I get bits and pieces, and we all get these sound bites. But you really took this concept of medication therapy management and out of the platform. So not just Marixa and outcomes and tips. Right. You helped me to see MTM is a you know is happening in the physician's office. I can make it happen here and in different areas that are of need. So you you put that all together for me. So I want to really thank you for that. And and I have told a lot of pharmacists, and, and I hope that um, more pharmacists take advantage of, of your course because it really broke it down and helped me to learn what I needed to move forward with my entrepreneurship. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I mean that. I mean that. Uh, it really, really did. So secondly, you know, we're all hu- – humans are afraid to move forward, right, with, with uncharted right. waters. So um, we are, taking risks is not something that everybody likes to do. Um, some people like it, but I like to take calculated risks. Right. So you really helped me when it came to the physician's offices. You know, when I went in there, I wanted to know my stuff. Right. I wanted to understand, hey, this is your return on investment. So the CPT codes that you spoke of, um, I, I, hadn't even, I didn't even know, you know, what they were before what a new or established code was or a you know a 99211 versus a 99213 so you really helped me to put a package together for the pharmacist and show them the return on investment not to mention meeting their measures and then the the secondary communication with the pharmacist that will eventually help their practice so um, currently you know depending on the physician's office some are more comfortable than others with billing um, a 99211 versus a 99213, depending on the time I spent in the office and the incident too. But um, it, it definitely opened the door and allowed me to come into practices and restored faith or, or showed the practitioner really they know what they're doing and um, it really sold itself, and, and they understand that now. So the physicians that were on the fence about having a pharmacist come in if you go in there and you're able to, after your course, I was able to put a package together. Um, you even 
helped me with the marketing materials for free. Uh, that was right. huge. Thank you, by the way, yeah. because marketing is expensive. Exactly. <laughs> so you really helped me to, to forge that. And um, if they were on the fence and, and they saw that I knew what I was talking about, um, they really, they really, they were ready to hire uh, a consultant pharmacist. That's so great. Yeah, I think as far as marketing, it just seems like we put barriers up in, you know, in front of ourselves. Like, oh, I need to hire this professional marketing team. I have to have a graphic designer create a logo first or, or a beautiful website or whatever. I did it too. I mean, I... You know, I'm guilty, so I I just try to tell people um, get out there, avoid my mistakes, yeah. <laughs> and and get out there and try it because you know the biggest concerns that a lot of physicians have are are really just well, you know, do, am I going to have to hold your hand through this whole process? Mm-hmm. And no, it's it's like we are trained, we are the clinical implementation specialist in. We're excited. We want to do it. Exactly. Whether it's MTM or pharmacogenomic testing or chronic care management. I mean, it's like the pharmacist is such a, should be such a, you know, a variable healthcare provider. We can really do a lot of different stuff and we can really offer so many more services than we currently are in our dispensing only roles. Absolutely. We're, we're more trained than that. And I think that it's up to us to, um, you know, you said something in the course. And I remember writing it down and putting it on my dashboard. I, I kid you not. On a sticky Aww. note, you said, get out there. Right. And I had to get out of my own way because you're, I fell into that trap. Oh, you know, I'll go cold call when I have a website. Right. Or I'll cold call when my business cards come in. Right. And no, you know, on your way home from work, if you see a home health agency, right. stop in, give them... Introduce yourself. Exactly. And you know what? Nine times out of ten, they don't want a card. They want a handshake. No. No. No one ever takes my card. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They, they, the value is in that catchphrase. Um, right. And, and second to what you just said, we... It, one of the clinicians said to me, um, and if they listen to this podcast, they'll probably probably laugh or be mad at me. But, you know, she said, you're doing what I just dread. And I said, what do you mean by that? And she said, 90% of the visits I am doing now are for refills. She said, "You, I, that's all I do. I don't diagnose anymore. She said, I do refills. <laughs> right. I, I mean, that's your exactly marketing material. Exactly. That's it. There's your marketing strategy right there. <laughs> exactly. She said, I mean, it's true. She said, now, what? Uh, and we're actually taking it a step further in this practice, um, and she and I are kind of developing a um, kind of like a written order where I, I, she looks in my notes in their computer system and she refills maintenance meds for three to six months. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She, um, this, this physician's very proactive, and she... You know, she says, why wouldn't I do that if I'll refill it for three to six months within 24 hours of your visit if you request it? Um, And that way it keeps my office staff from having to do it. So we're actually taking it a step further in her office and working with a local pharmacy to, uh, actually several, to sync the patient's medications uh, to one one day a month. So, um, But this practitioner said, 
you know, that that's just going to knock out that those phone calls and my receptionist being tied up. And she just kind of looked at me and she went, you know, it was her and I both, it was unrealized, you know, as pharmacists, we see this. But she said, oh, my gosh, I can take time to actually diagnose. Yeah. I mean, it was really a light bulb moment. Yeah. So, um, and that just happened last Thursday. So it's, it's, it's a really cool thing and it all makes sense. Right. It still puzzles me to this day as to why we are not considered an integral part of the healthcare team when these right. Medicare bills come out. Um, it, it makes sense. You know, we, we are the hub. We know which specialists they go to. We know when they stub their toe. We know mm-hmm. when their grandchild's born and they're stressed out and they haven't picked their meds up for, you know, six days after their due date. Right. As pharmacists, we know this stuff. It's, it's, it makes sense for us to be involved and it makes sense for us to help and the physicians do what they do best. And that's to be a support system so that they can go back to diagnosing. Absolutely. That's so great. And now I feel like, I feel like, you can take those physicians, those happy customers that you're working with, and you can really replicate this as much as you want. I mean, you can you can take this as a business model and and really begin to offer it to more and more places after you kind of get the hang of which codes you're going to use and the procedures you're going to go through. You're going to become really, really efficient at doing this and... I really feel like this, you know, consulting business um, for any pharmacist could become, if you work at it and build it, could become a full-time position. Absolutely. And I, I'll take that a step further, if you don't mind, and say the more we have out mm-hmm. there that begin to do this, right. um, I very, very quickly in the near future see a coalition, you know, sharing models, Right. I, I mean, I, I truly believe that this is the wave of the future. And if we don't get out there and prove that we're more than the, mm-hmm. you know, than the lick stick poor, and that doesn't, not any disrespect to my colleagues, because there's several um, that work in retail that are, are highly respect. But if we don't get out there and prove our clinical knowledge, um, it, it's it's really going to be up to us to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid that if we don't start doing um the MTM and CMR just that is required by outcomes in Marixa that they're going to stop sending them to the community pharmacist and that's just going to be more lost revenue and they're going to find someone else to do it. They're going to find you know somebody cheaper, maybe not as qualified, but they will find someone else, and that just absolutely breaks my heart. So, well, and it's happening. Yes, right? it is. <laughs> we know that that's it happening. Um, it is. It's happening already. And you know, one of the questions, um, and I, I want to. I'm a very transparent person, so I want to bring this up because, you know, it all sounds great and it's rosy glasses. But one of the one of the questions I get from the physicians is, mm-hmm. why would I not? have my nurse do this. Right. She's right. she's possibly cheaper and she's on staff. Exactly. So that was that was something I really had to and I you know I've been I've only been doing this for 3 to 4 months now when in the physician office. So I <laughs> Did you educate them? <laughs> well, you know, I did, I took a moment and I said, you know, I I understand exactly where you're coming from. But does your nurse have the ability or the time to sync those medications 
work with a right. local pharmacy. Um, if there's a PA, if they need a prior approval, uh, is she going to be able to do that? Is she going to be able to take the whole med profile and work that profile with the insurance company to ensure that your patient is getting every med that you wrote for them? And they were just like, no. They don't have the ability to optimize the regimen and to decrease the risk associated with multiple medications. They just simply don't. Exactly. I mean, they, they can transcribe it, yes. They can write down exactly what the patient says, but can they glance at a list and say, you, you know, you can do away with this, or here's the interaction, or, or here's where that side effect is coming from, and here, you know, with this one tweak is how we can improve safety and efficacy both, Right. they just simply are not skilled enough to do that. Well, even if they're skilled enough, my goodness, there's some great nurses out there, but who didn't right. have the time? Right. You know, they're on the time crunch. So I, I you know, challenged my physician back um, jokingly. Thank goodness we have a, a great relationship. But I said, so what you're telling me is you have three nurses now. And I'm standing here because it's working for you. Right. <laughs> and she was like, well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and it's it's that further relationship with other pharmacists in the area. So calling the pharmacies and asking for that patient on behalf of that patient. If insurance right. doesn't cover this, you know, what, what can we do? It's that, yeah. it's that intel with your colleagues that really, you know, in my opinion, um, really helps to complete that picture as well as, you know, get a hold of the specialists. Again, it's that bridge. It's that it's bridging that gap to keep the patient healthy, out of the hospital, and adherent to their medications. It's really that simple. Absolutely. So before we close, what advice would you give to another pharmacist that is thinking about starting their own consulting business? First, and, and honestly, uh, not just because I'm on this podcast, but it would be to take your course. Because, oh, <laughs> well, and I mean that because I, you can search on the Internet endlessly, and I can tell you the binders right. and the books of things that I printed that I've half-read or had time to read. or um, Really, get a good course under your belt that puts us together. And you led us to several resources that were, it, were key um, and, and really just drew out the important parts. So we're all very busy. We all right. have a lot to do. So it is worth, goodness, it's worth that time. Those six weeks, short intervals, you know, we're all pharmacists. We like things very concise and complete. And right. that's, what, um, that's what you did for me. So that helped a lot. Secondly, really get out of your own way. And I say that lovingly. Absolutely. You, we have the training. We have the knowledge. You don't have to speak high level. These are people that just need to know, hey, that's for diabetes. That's right. for nighttime. You don't have to talk about receptors to these people. It isn't clinicals. It's not residency. These are just people that need to understand their medications and want somebody to listen to their barriers. Right. So those are my suggestions is to get out there. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for 
for being with us tonight. I know, uh, and I want you to know, I'm so proud of you and everything that you've accomplished through the course um, with the the six-week course at the farmerpreneuracademy.com. You also get forum access and in the forums, we kind of use those as a community of uh, supportive pharmacists that you can introduce yourself and ask questions and and share um, feedback and, and that sort of thing. Marketing materials, anything you could possibly think of, we, we try to share it there in the course. We've had great discussions already on... DR fees and yes. and marketing materials. That that was the key. That was really the key. So thank that you for that. That was a great discussion. So I I really am excited about the forums and you know I want I want you and the other beta testing group to stay active in there and and continue to share about your journey and to help guide um pharmacists that are just starting on their journey as well. So we've got a brand new class starting tomorrow. If you're interested, um, you can get a hold of me at btpharmacyconsulting.com or at farmerpreneuracademy.com and get on the, the newsletter and get on those waiting lists. And and then you can come and join and, and chat with me and Nicole in the forums. Great. Yes. Key. Thank you so much, Blair. I appreciate it so much. And congratulations for getting out there and rounding us pharmacists up that are busy and didn't think we could do it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Goodbye.